after this episode is over, I say you and I forget the quarantine and we just go to the latest casino and shove coins in a BB Astromech. What do you say? Sound like a plan? Um, That's I, good I, enough for me. Let's go. <laughs> okay, cool. Works for me. Are, are we going to get arrested and run into a, a weird stuttering guy? You know, it's seems in Niagara Falls, so... Yeah, 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 that's a good point. It's a good point. Very good point. <laughs> Here we are, back again, sir. Another episode of The Devil's Due. Feels good to be back. How are you doing? Ah, <sighs> I I felt like uh, I ended... I felt like I was in such a down note last, last episode, so I want to maybe not be that way this week so i guess i'm I'm okay i'm good <laughs> everything's okay i i, I have don't the same remember you i have the same uh you know concerns overall about uh you know the pandemic and america and all that that i usually do but i'm not gonna let that uh drag us down here i'm i'm well i'm i'm okay i'm actually fighting don't be alarmed i'm fighting a uh cold and jen is as well and grant was as well it's kind of still is and no it's not covid it's daycare (laughs) oh daycare yeah so i i guess i should be thankful that it's not covid because it could just as easily easily as uh have been that you know when you think about it given that the nature of daycare, yeah. but nope, it's just the, we've, we've had the sniffles here for about a week or so, but we're all, we're all okay. We're doing fine. And, uh, yeah, you know, other than that, dude, it's, it's more of the same, just raising a toddler, trying to get him to talk more and, uh, you know, uh, trying to keep my sanity, but I don't have the help of my robot friends. <laughs> if you catch my, catch my reference, um, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, let's let's uh, begin the show as we as we are want to do nowadays. A little bit of that. There we go. Yes, sir. Let's pour ourselves one here. Ah, yes. So yeah, that's. I'm glad to hear that it's just a cold and not, you know. Global catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. Most of the rest of the globe seems to have a pretty good handle on it at this point. Well, uh, yeah. Let's not. Yeah. Like I said, I don't want to dwell on. Yeah, uh, let, let's not dwell on the negative. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. So. All right. So you know, family caught a cold from daycare, as daycares are like to be mm-hmm. sometimes petrifies. Um, yeah, it, it's, and this is why I don't want to go back to the office. Yeah. But in any event, um, everything's cool. We're fine. We're, we're all fine here. How are you? <laughs> we're, we're doing all right. Um, yeah, fortunately, no, uh, no cold or anything here. Uh, William is being a typical four year old. Uh, you know, doing stuff that four-year-olds would like to do. Um, as far as what I did this week, um, I finished finally uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. For, 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 
decent finish, uh, kind of abrupt in its finish, but I like the way they kind of wrapped it up and left it open uh, for future games, which, you know, I would not mind seeing these characters again in another game. They they weren't really doing much for me at first, but they grew on me over the journey. Uh, so it was very enjoyable. It's it's really cool because at the end of the game, you kind of have to run away from Darth Vader because you cannot fight him at all. He's just too powerful for you. And I like that they didn't try to shoehorn in a like a fight with Vader where you're on equal grounds with him because the character just does not even at the end of the game when you you know buffed up all your stats and whatnot. Hmm. So it was really good the way they the way they did it. I enjoyed it. Um, also this week the actually uh, was it. Thursday, Wednesday, or Thursday? when was the thirtieth? Thirtieth was yesterday. I believe Thursday. Yes. So yesterday, the new uh, Transformers series dropped on Netflix, and I'm already done with it. Which, I mean, granted, it is only six episodes. <laughs> yeah. So, and only about you know twenty five minutes each. So that saying I'm done with it is not saying a lot, but oh, Drew. Yeah, oh, this, I know this is the series that I've been waiting for for such a long time. That this has been on your radar for a while. Yes, and it has delivered. Um, I know you are not as much a Transformer fan as you are a GI Joe fan. Uh, Given how little of a time commitment it is, I would highly, highly recommend. Well, all right, if I can muster any spare time. <laughs> uh, uh, caught myself there. Spare time. Oh, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I no, I feel you. I do. I know you do. Most of my most of my watching was done uh late at night after yeah. everyone went to bed and then a couple episodes like on my lunch break and you know, just finished it up tonight. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that was my week. Um, I'm really excited about this episode, but looking forward to this one for a long time. But of course, there is ceremony to stand on. Dear listeners, oh. if you would like to tell us about your week, talk to us, communicate with us in any way, you can do so at the following social media locations. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash devilsdopod. You can email us at thedevilsdopod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, thedevilsdopodcast.com. Drew, that being said, we do have some questions. All right. Starting out with Mr. Tom Fenzel, who submitted his question, not in the email form, but actually on the post we had saying that we were taking emails for this week's show. That's Folks, a perfectly valid way. Questions. Perfectly valid. You can put your questions there. We're all good with that. Tom says, hope I made it in time for questions. Spoilers, Tom. You did. Uh, what are your favorite strategy video games, mm. such as... Age of Empires, Civilizations, 
I got really into Civ Six on the Switch. Ooh. And then also for Drew, how how's the brewing going? Oh. Anything? Oh. Um. Do you want to go first with the um strategy games? <clears throat> um. I'll try the one. Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Always good. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, Tactics was really good. Uh, there was also on the PlayStation One. Uh, front mission series, which is kind of like uh, turn-based strategy with mechs, and you get, you have to load out your mechs. You know, certain weapons are too heavy for certain chassis, things like that. And it was always a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, those two: Final Fantasy Tactics and Front Mission. All right, uh, for me. Um it goes i i my my dad my dalliances and strategy games um go back a ways i don't i don't play them with that much regularity but i do have favorites um way back in the day i was really into starcraft the og starcraft and then mm-hmm. also um red alert command and conquer 2 was i think that's what it was was that what my yeah. um <laughs> another great yep. one um and I mean, those are forever ago now, but they're still, those are rock solid games in my, in my, of course, um, my own biased opinion. And then, um, the civilization series in general, uh, I love, and I think I've said that before on this, on this show. Um, I, I too, Tom have uh civ six on switch and I do, I love it. So haven't played it in a while. Cause once I got, um, animal crossing and, uh, doom eternal, I got kind of, you know, sucked down those, those avenues um but civilization is just great my favorite one still however is civ 4 um it just has the right mix of everything for me and it has those dulcet tones of leonard nimoy as the game narrator which i love not to say that the narrator in civ 6 is bad but come on man it's leonard nimoy in 4 that's a that's a high bar to clear but um no 6 is a fantastic game um although i do eh. I I don't love the um, combat in it as much as I did in four. People might complain about the 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 unit stacking uh, in 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 Civ Four, but hey, man, I I love stacking units. You could have a tile with like twenty units on it, and it was like, yeah, good luck, bro. You're not getting by this guy. Whereas now in six, it's just one unit per tile, and you know you gotta. It, it, I just find combat and warfare to be a lot more difficult and. That could just be a me thing. I maybe I could just I have to get better at it, but um, I generally try not to be a, a warlike civilization when I play anyway. But unfortunately, your neighbors may not be as as friendly, and you have to you know sometimes you got to clear a little space. So, but no, I love I do love civilization. Civ Six on Switch is fantastic. So yeah, there you go. And oh, uh, and uh, beer, 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 beer. Um. I have not brewed in quite a while, but the itch, the itch is definitely there. Um, I have recipes that I've been tinkering with. Uh, I, I'm, I'm ready to make them. I just need uh, time and potentially another uh, set of hands to help me out on brew day to make it happen. But um, yeah, I, I definitely want to get back to it. Um, I love, love beer, love making it. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun and I miss doing it to be honest. And if I could, uh, go down a little, uh, tangential 
wink, wink to everyone. If I had the ideal dream gig for me, besides being, you know, super heavy metal uh, hero <laughs> with Metallica bankroll, uh, which will never happen. Um, no, I would uh, love to have my own brewery uh, of some kind. But again, pipe dreams. So, yeah, there you go. All righty. Cool. Uh, let's see here. So, going into our emails, starting out with Adam, frequent uh, show emailer. Does Adam have a last name? He does. Adam Williams. All right. So, uh, Adam writes us, uh, hey friends, thanks for taking my email. Carl and Drew, I have a movie warm-up question. Mm. What is your favorite quote from a movie? Is this the same as your most used quote in everyday life? If they're used different, please share the most the most used one as well. From any movie? From favorite movie quote. Oh god. Dude, I I could go on and yeah, on. That's um, like that could be an episode in of itself. Seriously. Like, I mean I quote so many and yeah. And then there, that doesn't even count the times like there's there's phrases I'll use and then there's that doesn't even count the times when I'll I'll hear something and my immediate response will be a, a a very random movie quote from a movie that I love you know what I mean like and is it my favorite quote no but I immediately will think of it and pull it out of nowhere and throw it at somebody and they'll you know ideally know what I'm talking about and laugh or if they don't then I just know that I'm an old man referencing an old movie so uh <laughs> This is this is a challenging question. Um, yeah, I can I can like. There's great lines that apply to a lot of situations. Um, and I if I had to really think about it, the two movies that I pull from the most are like The Godfather, and and not in the ways that you think, and uh, Top Gun, and also not in the ways that you think. <laughs> I know it sounds so stupid, but there's just little lines that I can pull out as resp- as responses to situations, and like they they just work, and they're stupid, but that's why they're great. <laughs> so, like, if there's someone asks me to do something, and it's like a really easy job, like something something you know, just hey, can you do this or whatever, and I'll pull out to walk in the park, Kazanski, like. And and no one knows what I'm talking about unless you've seen Top Gun like a thousand times. Then yeah, then you laugh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's dumb, but there it is. And you know the Godfather's full of them, but not but none of like the real. I'm I'm not. I don't use like the keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. That's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking like uh, uh, you know the scene when uh after Polly gets killed and someone asks about Polly and then you, and, and, and then, uh, 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 why is his name escaping me right now? Clemenza. Clemenza. He just goes, Oh, Polly won't see him no more. I, I, I pull that out all the time for no reason whatsoever. Like, Oh, won't see him no see more. Him? <laughs> like this, stupid stuff like that. I, it sounds so dumb, but there it is. 
And then obviously like, you know, Pulp Fiction, I can, I can recite and, you know, I can find various yeah. lines in that to apply to day-to-day situations. So, um, yeah, I, it, they're movies, man. I, I love, I love movies and I will quote movies all the time. I, it's so difficult to pick a favorite. So very episode relevant, probably a quote that I find myself using more often nowadays is hope is like the sun if you only believe in it when you can see it you will never make it through the night that's a good one that quote is from our own general Leia organa film we're going to discuss today but as far as an all-time favorite without giving it too much of a deep dive of thought one that instantly springs to mind and I went to, because I want to make sure I get it perfectly, because it's, it's like one of those ones that you can kind of break up into smaller chunks. I went to IMDb, pull it up, and the quote is as such. Some wild-eyed eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against the bath barroom wall, and he looks at you crooked in the eye and asks you if you paid your dues. You just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. <laughs> Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir. The check is in the mail. Well done. Well done. Big trouble in Little China, folks. If you have never seen that movie, you are do- doing a disservice to yourself and a disservice to society. And if you are a Mortal Kombat fan and you've never seen Big Trouble in Little China, well, then I have some bad news on the origin of your favorite <laughs> yeah. franchise, my friend. Because <laughs> Ed, Ed Boone and John Tobias definitely watch Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> you watch Big Trouble in Little China, then go play through Mortal Kombat 1, uh-huh. a.k.a. Big Trouble in Little China fighting game. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> <laughs> so much. Uh-huh. You know it. You're going to see David Lopan, you're going to be like, Shang Tsung? You're going to no. <laughs> no, gee. This is the original. Uh-huh. Raiden, what are you doing here? <laughs> hey, no, he's He's not Raiden, and he's got two other friends. Right, 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 right. So, okay, Adam has some other questions as well. Now starting a new segment with this email, the what ifs and casting. If Russell Crowe was in gladiator shape, what Marvel superhero would you cast him as? Ooh. Um, uh, I, eh, not like Russell Crowe kind of keeps the, keeps the RPMs neutral for me. Yeah. Really, I'm not a big Russell like, Crowe guy myself either. Don't do a lot for me. Like gladiators, you know, all well and good. Um, I don't know. I can't. It's not. It's not uh, coming to me either, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll circle back to that one. Yeah. Um, if Chad, if Chadwick Boseman said no, and you could pick any actor from any era to play Black Panther, who would you pick? Oh man. Space wow. and time are are no. Are no restraint. Ah, wow. I mean, 
Nah, I was going to say, I mean, my instinct is Eddie Murphy. <laughs> But I think I'm. Just, you know our, I think it's just because you know the, the, the the Wakanda the Wakanda Zamunda connection is so strong in my brain that there was a natural right. natural reaction. Be like, give it to Eddie Murphy, <laughs> right. peak Eddie Murphy. I I am going to go. Um, it's it's not a sexy pick, but I think it's a good pick. I'm going Michael Jai White. Ooh, sure, sure. Because he would just he tracks the passion that man would bring to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think he would also play a great Luke Cage, to be honest with you. Yeah. 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 Um, if things went better with Edward Norton, with playing nice with others, would you have preferred him over Mark Ruffalo in the Avengers movies? Tough to say for me, yeah, because obviously we've got to spend more time with Ruffalo than we did Edward Norton. I really liked the Incredible Hulk. Same. I like how he played the character. I actually prefer that visual design of the Hulk to what we got in Avengers going forward. Oh, really? Um, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I, think, I like Ruffalo Hulk. Ruffalo Hulk is fine. I'm not, I am not knocking Ruffalo Hulk. I'm just saying, given a choice of the design and visual appearance of the character, the Ed Norton Hulk to me was superior. Interesting. Okay. I, uh, I, I kind of prefer Ruffalo, but. I'm not gonna knock you for that. Uh, that's a tough one. I man, because like Norton brings a certain like intensity and cachet kind of to any part that he's in, right? So it would have been it would have been interesting, but but I don't know that. Uh, this is this is tough because he he brings a kind of bigness to it and like you're already in a movie with robert downey jr being the bigness so you know you might get a little little clash of of the stars kind of on screen little yeah. maybe there's not maybe there's not quite enough room on screen for both of those personalities i don't know whereas i think ruffalo you know he he, he blended right in and totally worked I think Edward Norton also definitely a better physical appearance, Bruce Banner as well, because he, he was he like he, Ruffalo looks. He doesn't look like cut, but he looks a little built, and I don't want yeah, Bruce Banner yeah, yeah, to yeah. look built. He's a little he's a little beefier than Ed Norton. Ed Norton can do. I mean, Banner is supposed to look kind of puny, right? Like you know, yeah. And and not no disrespect to to Ed Norton because I'm sure he could you know kick my butt or whatever, but you know he he. He can do that. Like he has that kind of look about him. Like, not not saying he's puny, but you know what I mean. He's he's th- he's thin. He's right. kind of emaciated more so than Mark Ruffalo, and that does fit the Banner persona more than Ruffalo's general appearance. But again, looking ahead, I think Ruffalo uh, also though proved himself to be more versatile than Ed Norton probably would have been in the more comedic stuff uh, at like Thor Ragnarok. And uh, Endgame, possibly. I can't. I can't picture Ed Norton having that much uh, comedy. I, I can't see him being. He's. He's. He seems very self serious to me, and I can't see him. You know, being as 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 good hearted about the stuff in Ragnarok and in Endgame. But that's yeah. that's. But that's me. I mean, maybe he could. But I don't know. I think Ruffalo nailed that stuff very well. 
yeah and again i i enjoy ruffalo i'm not knocking ruffalo at all um edward norton actually did do a comedy once it, i enjoy it i can't make an argument for it being a good movie um it's a little movie did with ben stiller called keeping the faith mm. and he was he was funny he was he was carrying his own um so yeah I, and I still can't think of anything for Russell Crowe to play. Yeah, no, I... Oh, you know what? I'm not saying I want this, but I could see it. Peak Russell Crowe? Maybe for Doom. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm not, again, I'm not 100%, but it just came to me and I'm like, yeah, you know, I could work if if daniel day lewis said no then <laughs> you might be like a good fourth choice um okay so moving on thank you as always adam uh to our next uh frequent contributor honestly dude adam and, and cyrus Moore here are kind of I don't want to say they're taking over Alan and Jay, but this week we have Jay. We still have no Alan, and we have not had Alan and Jay for the past couple episodes. So, yep, yep. Uh, Nothing lasts forever, man. Colin, slacker, slacker. So, uh, Mr. Cyrus Moore, greetings, gentlemen. Hope you are well. I myself am somewhat distressed after your last podcast, finding out that you both like The Last Jedi. In the words of great Tommy Lee Jones speaking to Jim Carrey, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Um, I am, of course, kidding. I'm glad people can enjoy The Last Jedi. However, I simply cannot. There is very little for me to enjoy in the movie from a writer and character standpoint. Hopefully we'll be able to change his mind. Um, the divisiveness of the fan base is also disappointing. I think we, yes. think we should highlight and celebrate our differences instead of feeling like we always have to defend them. And that's Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> have you fandomed that, before, sir? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Especially Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Because Star Wars can be the best and worst fandom out there at the same time. Um... In that spirit, my question for you both is what are some other things uh, you like that seemingly a lot of other people don't? Mm. Or something you don't like that a lot of other people do? Oh, God. Well, (laughs) what does Drew hate that everyone likes? That's, that's, that's another anthology series. That's not just another episode. Yeah, it's going to take some time, buddy. Put it this way: If it's popular in any any capacity, I probably hate it. <laughs> That's a gross oversimplification, but I mean it's not wrong, I guess. But anyway, uh, so we have to def- so, we, have, we have to defend our bad our our our, our so questionable choices, right? Something we like that the vast majority does not, and then vice versa. I have one, and I've mentioned it before on the show. And since you brought the franchise up, I'll, I'll mention it again. Uh, Godfather three, I enjoy. Okay, that's, uh, that's your that's your baby. 
I I struggle to make an argument for it being good. <laughs> but you like it. But I enjoy it. I like it because of the journey that Michael takes, how he comes full circle and where kind of where the movie takes him. That's I like that about it. Okay. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm struggling for a, a cinematic example necessarily. Um, you didn't say it's got to be a cinematic example. You just okay, say well, something in general. Okay. I like Zelda too. And I know a lot of people don't, that's like the black sheep of the series, but I enjoy Zelda two very much. Um, let's see. Uh, I like the Metallica album Saint Anger, and that is like a cardinal sin in the heavy metal community. Not that I consider myself a member of the heavy metal community, despite being in a heavy metal band and liking mainly heavy metal bands. I just me and the me and the community part of it don't always align. But uh, yeah, I like that album, and I know why people don't, and I don't care. <laughs> I like it. And I think a lot of other people do too, and they're just, you know, they go with the they go with the direction the wind is blowing, and they say that it's bad or that they hate it. So whatever, that's certainly their their prerogative. Um, those are two examples that come to mind. Oh, and I like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and I think a lot of people that that's become like the punching bag of the series, which is funny in a series where the Crystal Skull exists. Um, yeah, I'm Indiana not Joe. Temple Doom is great. Right. Now, look, I'm not going to tell you that it's not problematic. It's very problematic, actually. Um, you know, there's a lot of racial stuff in it that's kind of definitely questionable. However, yeah. however, once that move, I mean, if you if you can put that stuff aside, um, it's a pretty, it's a intense movie. And it's full of memorable characters and memorable scenes. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's not- good. The kingdom of the crystal skull. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, there you go, man. Uh, I, I'm trying. I'm. Let me, let me, is there anything else that's like a hot take? I don't. I don't have much of a other hot take. Yeah, I like Super Mario Sunshine. That's a hot tip. <laughs> <laughs> no, people like that game. I I'm not a fan of it, but that's that's. Yeah, that's that's one. Sure, sure. Now, is there is there something that Final so, Fantasy VII so, is my overrated one? People love that game, and I think it's I think it's fine, but I I I don't have the the love of it that a lot of people do. Yeah, I think for me, it's probably uh, The Walking Dead. Okay, everybody loves The Walking Dead. I'm just like. Eh zombies i love the comics uh the show is is terrible and has been for years they're they're coming the comics are coming back true and in color form yeah i heard about that we'll say that for the news i guess i that's a terrible idea but whatever it's got it's a new series called walking dead cash grab mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's that's dumb anyway yeah well to be continued yeah yeah whatever um yeah, right, there you go so yeah, Cyrus, thank you very much for your questions, as always. Now on to Mr. J. Gelsomino, who's d- damed us with his presence this week. 
Uh, Drew and Carl, what would be your dream job across the spectrum of entertainment slash pop culture? Well, I think I've already relayed that. Um, if I could, if I could make my living making music, um, I would be, I would be very, very happy. Unfortunately, that is uh, not something that's doable. But that would be my dream. For me, it would probably be head writer for Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> or if we can get paid to do this, I would do that too. That'd yeah, be, that'd be great. That'd hey, be folks, you know someone who wants to throw us uh, a fat check of sponsor money. You know, as long as we're not Nazis, we'll probably no, take it. No, and And you'll get a lot more content. <laughs> That yeah, if I had if I got paid to do this, um, I would put a lot more work into this. <laughs> you, guys, you guys would probably get daily episodes. I'd be happy to do that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, but alas, um, alas, you know, real life. Casper, Casper hasn't shown up on Casper. our doorstep. <laughs> NordVPN, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> stamps.com what the heck for real uh drew what is your favorite food to cook and in what way wow oh man i mean i've been cooking up a storm dude um my favorite food to cook that's a challenge that is a challenge um damn that's that's a great question <laughs> I wish I were more prepared for that. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I'll tell it. Something I I enjoy making recently. Um, this is this is by no means my favorite thing ever to cook, but just something I've really enjoyed recently making, and it turns out great every single time. And it's not even that difficult, but it's a it you know it's a, there's a little labor involved, but um, I've been doing this one pot uh, shrimp orzo. And it's it is delicious, refreshing, and it's not that hard to make. And I've been making it like at least once every other week, if not once a week, the past the past few weeks. And uh, I'm just really into making that right now, and it's great. So that's my current answer. Um, but you know, I also really enjoy. Uh, you know, a good steak. I mean, it's so easy. You get if you got a cast iron skillet, man. You you can you can crank out a steak anytime you want and have it be the best steak you've ever had in your own house. Um, there's also a high degree of satisfaction in making, uh, you know, and smoking and and you know, long, lengthy cooking on the grill outside, uh, smoking that kind of stuff. Um, I don't necessarily think that's my favorite thing to do though, because it can be labor intensive or at least at least time slash stress intensive making sure temperatures are where you want them for a, a, an extended period of time can be a real pain um but when you do it right and the end result is what you want you know that that's a good feeling knowing that you you know that you, that you did something great you know that you, that you really nailed it so yeah it's tough that's that's a that's a that's a tough question but currently it's that shrimp orzo it's really easy and uh it's delicious all righty. Uh, so, Jay's question for me, Carl, do you, what do you prefer, DIY or HGTV? 
Um, I, I, I like that question too, you know. But go on. I'll I'll, I'll let you answer because I I don't watch either one. Oh, dude, I'm well versed in HDTV. <laughs> Me and the Property Brothers are boys. All right. <laughs> I, I will um, I will watch some good bones, my friend. Things things I did not hear. I would think I. Did not think Drew would say this episode. Uh, if if I have to, I'll watch Hometown, but it's 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 a little more difficult because the the woman is like she looks like the Uber Karen. She looks like the final boss Karen, even though she doesn't come off that way. She just looks that way, and it's in Mississippi, so it's like kind of weird that they're putting all this money into these houses, and it's still like yeah, but you're in Mississippi. No disrespect meant intended to our Mississippi listeners, but come on, man, Mississippi. Okay, <laughs> that works. <laughs> anyway, and then you know you always have to laugh at shows like uh, House Hunters, where it's like this couple is like, you know, oh, I'm a freelance artist, and uh, she uh, collects beads. Our budget's two point five million. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, that'll that'll drive you nuts, but. Anyway, HGTV all the way. Alrighty. Good on you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jay, thank you very much for the questions. That does it for the questions this week. Thank everyone who contributed. Now on to the news. Kind of a light week. Uh, Not a a ton going on. Comic-Con is happening-ish. It it is, but nothing is really coming out of it. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, you can you can announce something, but hey, we're doing this thing sometime? Question mark. Yeah. Uh, um, one thing we do have for certain out of Comic Con though, Drew, is we do have a new trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yes, we do. Oh, just, do we? It's hitting all the right chords. Um, we're getting this uh, same day digital. And theatrical for whatever theaters are actually open. Um, I believe the end of August, first of September. They're, you know, they keep. I think they've changed the date twice now, and it's like I, I don't know what to make of release dates right now. <laughs> we're, we're going to get it sooner than the next Avengers film. Yes, that that much I can confidently say. We will say that. And seeing is, up until about a year ago, we didn't think we'd ever get another Bill and Ted movie. I'm fine with that. It 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 looks fun. <laughs> yeah, looks fun. Looks you know, looks like it's got something to say, and not in like the poochie way. Did, um, did you notice when they see Death again in the new trailer? He's playing hopscotch by himself, and he's cheating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some things will never change. Some things, the more they change, uh, the more... it's beautiful. So it's yeah, beautiful. it looks great. I can't wait for it. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I will definitely uh, do a a video on demand for that one. Without without sounding like a backhanded compliment, honestly, it looks better than it has any right to look. Valid. Like, that is valid. It it it. You know. Come on, Bill and I, we. I love 
the first Bill, two Bill and Ted movies, but like I know I know that they are of a time and of of a place. So if you're going to tell me that they're going to make a new one now, obviously the you know the cyn- the cynical reaction is like, oh god, it's going to be so sad. They're so old. It's going it, to it can't possibly be you know whatever, right? Then you see the trailer and it's like, dude, this looks so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it should not, but it does. The the only drawback of the trailer is the absence of George Carlin uh, as palpable. Yeah. There. There's giant hole missing from that. I mean, not for nothing, but I feel that every day just in life. But yeah, in the context of Bill and Ted. Yeah, definitely. Carlin is missed. I love George Carlin. As do many. Um, okay, so we got that. We also got another really actually before we get to that okay. let's get to some like un a little bit expected but in the way it happened unexpected news now true we are normally not one to tout talk about really care about award shows no for the most part i think they're we all might make mention of like the, we might make mention of the best picture nomination something like that um when they happen, if there is something of note in there, um, be real interesting to see how they're going to do it this year. Um, but that being said, the Emmy nominations came out this past week and Oh, Drew Watchmen and Mandalorian (laughs) got all the nominations. Uh, You you know, for a show that, a lot of people claimed they did not like, and again, claimed because you you know what happened with the Rotten Tomatoes score and all that, and the review bombing and, and all that yeah. business. But anybody that really watches this stuff knows quality when they see it, and any nomination you could throw at Watchmen is, is going to be well-deserved. Because that was a lightning in a bottle magical season of television. Uh, so all the nods, all the credit. I if it, again, I don't put a lot of stock in these award shows, but at least they had the, the smarts to, to to hey, game recognizes game, and Watchmen was so well crafted that. If it, I mean, come on, come on, it deserves it, you know. Yeah. Again, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about this stuff, but if 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 it deserves it, it deserves any praise you want to let you want to put up put upon it. Yeah, and of all the nominations it got, let us not forget the most important nomination: the best supporting actor for Mister Louis Gossett Jr., Ooh. aka Calvin Burchard, aka Chappie Sinclair, give that man all the awards. Um, well, to be fair, I am a little more, um, I'm a little more interested in the musical nominations that it got. So that that is not important, true. <laughs> not important. important. You, you realize that if if Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross get uh, an Emmy for their Watchmen score, which in my opinion, they absolutely should. Um, and 
probably will. If I'm let's let me let me let me just pull up the uh, let me just pull up the contenders on that on on the, in that category. Where is it? They're oh. against the Mandalorian. Yeah, sorry, but Watchmen's music is way better. Um, uh, let's see. Well, in any case, if they if Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross win those Emmys for that music, they will be one step closer to the very exclusive and elusive EGOT. With which oh, the, uh, the Emmy, Emmy Grammy, Grammy Oscar, Oscar, and Tony Award. So if they want to make the Downward Spiral Broadway play... Um, <laughs> 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 and, get the, and get the Tony for it. They'll have you know, the EGOT. Win, you know, if they won the Emmy, Trent's could be like, "Yeah, why not?" Yeah, I know. Do. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> make it Watch, happen. Make it happen, Trent. <laughs> um. So yeah, Watchmen getting a ton of Emmy nominations is is nice to see. Um, not, I'm given the, again, like you mentioned, the lightning in a bottle, uh, the, the quality of the production, uh, you know, it's an HBO production. So obviously those are predisposed to kind of getting Emmy nominations. So the two we mentioned, I think the amount of nominations Mandalorian got is more surprising. Um, Best dramatic series yeah, for the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's look. I lo- I love I love Mando, but I mean I I don't know that I could get there. <laughs> you know, I I don't know. Drew, this is the way. I, look, it is the way. I, I I'm here for the way. You know that, but. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's maybe pump the brakes a little bit. I don't know. I I don't I, I don't I don't mean it like that. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to crap on the Mandalorian. You know you know I love the Mandalorian. I know you do. But it, it, it's it's a little like really best best series. <laughs> also, keeping to mind a lot of television has been disrupted just as much as the film industry has. There's a lot of shows that haven't been able to finish out their seasons because they're still filming when everything hit. So I'm not saying, you know, it's not deserving. I'm saying it's it's a little... It's, it's going to be an asterisk. There. I, I do um, have to uh, point out a, a, a gaping, gape and a terrible oversight a snub, if you will. Um, uh, Rhea Seahorn from Better Call Saul. She plays Kim Wexler on Better Call Saul. She was not. Right. She was not nominated for Best Actress. That is criminal. That is criminal, and that is disgraceful. Um, she has been a rock star on that show. For the last, I mean, for the whole duration, but especially in the last couple seasons, she is knocking it out of the park 
And for her not to get recognized is, I mean, again, I don't put a lot of stock in these things. And this is why, because something, uh, her not getting recognized for her performance on, on Better Call Saul is disgraceful. That is disgraceful. She is tremendous on that show. And that's on a show with many tremendous performances. So, yeah. I, yeah, this this is why I don't like award shows because they they can often really really overlook and misread the room. So, anyway, yeah, but Lewis Gossett Jr. got out. Oh no, that's You're, fine. That's, that's great. What, he deserves it. <laughs> anyone involved? Honestly, anyone involved? Taika Waititi got one for IG Eleven. Re- really. Yes. Oh my God! What? Come on. Let's let's slow down. <laughs> no. And I look. No, I love. I love Taika. I love Taika. I love IG Eleven. But but come on. Like, hey, you know what? Fine, fine. It's G- cool. Giancarlo Esposito got nominated. I saw that. He and and here's here here's an example of what I'm talking about. Again, with Better Call Saul. Giancarlo Esposito is is great on Better Call Saul, but he's not doing anything that great or that much greater than he already did in the same role on Breaking Bad. Okay. Meanwhile, on Better Call Saul, the actor who is playing uh, Lalo, uh, I want to get it right because he's awesome. Uh, he is. Uh, Portrayed by Tony Dalton, and is he related to Timothy Dalton? Let me let me see. Is he related to Timothy Dalton? I don't know, but Tony Tony Dalton, the actor who was playing Lalo Salamanca on Better Call Saul, dude, he is amazing, and in the last season especially, he is incredible, like incredible in this role, and. Like, yes, Giancarlo Esposito is amazing. You know I love that man. But if, you know, if we're talking about awards for work this year, this season, Tony Dalton all the way over Giancarlo Esposito. But what do I know? What, you know, I don't know. I don't know how these things are decided, but that's just me. That's just me as a fan of that show talking right now. So. All right. He's great. Tony Dalton's great. Giancarlo's great too. You know I love him. But neither one of them can hold a candle to Chappie Sinclair. <laughs> Who among us can hold a, hold a candle to Chappie Sinclair? No, none of us. None of, none us. of us. None of us. So, um, alright, mm. so that's cool. It'll be interesting to see what it wins. They should both win everything. They should both win categories that are both nominated too. Just Chop the Emmy in half. We all win. We so, all, you know what? We all win. Okay, so getting on to, we've got some trailers that dropped this week. Not really huge trailers. Um, interesting trailers. Definitely worth mentioning. Uh, we got a trailer for the new season of Archer. Drew, I'm not sure how much we've really talked about how much we love Archer on this show. Well, here's the but, thing, Carl. I love Archer up really to a love point. Archer. I love Archer to a point. And that point is basically when he gets shot and falls in the pool. <laughs> and then I don't love Archer as much anymore. 
Um, the past couple seasons have been kind of rough because yeah. they've all been like coma induced hallucinations. Yes. And we just want to get back to standard Archer. I say that though, funny, funny enough. My favorite season is the is the season where it first started being non-standard Archer. That would be the cocaine season. Archer Vice. Archer Vice. But even Vice, yeah. but even Vice wasn't a hallucination season. Like it, it was. Right. You know, the, the it was the characters that we all knew as we knew them, just in a slightly different situation. Whereas the coma seasons have been, you know, variants of the characters we know. Because it's all in Archer's head. So it's not really Mallory. It's not really Pam. It's not really, you know, uh, uh, Cyril, etc. It's just these weird kind of pastiches of them mixed with sci-fi or noir or whatever. And I just don't... that. That kind of takes the wind out of it for me. So no, I, I get that. I, I to a point, I agree. Uh, there's also something to be said for taking a, a creative uh, siesta. That yeah, I get it for uh, kind of stretching your legs and in, in other directions. But again, you know, just having fun with some stuff. But it, no, I get what you're saying. It, it, I I understand. I know. I you know. I I appreciate that, but. I need for a. We're talking about a cartoon, right? So, like, what, what, yeah. what I'm about to say is silly, but like, I need some stakes. You know, I need some. I've invested, you know, I've invested my time and, and interest in these characters, and what I'm being presented with isn't really those characters. So right. I am gonna be not as receptive to it. No, I get that. Okay. I get that. I, so he's out of the coma I, now. Drew, at, at the end of the day, I just want someone to start giving Pam cocaine again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Pam, stop eating the cocaine. So yeah, he's out of the coma. He's back to being a spy. Um, I'm here for it. Full bound. Yes. Can't wait for it. Yes. So another, another trailer that debuted this week. Um, the, the DC animated films the past couple of years have really not drawn me in the way they used to, because they've been doing this whole, uh, connected universe thing, uh, continuing narrative between the films. And they were all kind of using the, the new 52 designs of the characters. Um, and it didn't, didn't even do them that well. Like I couldn't stand to watch Green Lantern at all. You know how much I really enjoy Green Lantern. Um, prior to doing that, the last really good DC animated film was uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. Uh, Batman was voiced by Bruce Greenwood, who became like my second favorite Batman voice, probably one B to Kevin Conroy's one a, um, and it was really good. It was really enjoyable. This past week, we got a trailer for an animated adaptation of the classic Batman story, a death in the family. Uh, the, the classic story in which, uh, Joker kills the Jason Todd version 
of Robin. Yes. And this is kind of a, a, a good touchstone in comic book history because when they did this in the comics, the fans ultimately decided Robin's fate. Uh, it was a four issue uh, arc in the in the main Batman title. And at the end of the third issue, Robin's in a warehouse and the warehouse explodes. And you were given two choices to call a 1-900 number for Robin to live and another 900 number for Robin to die. So kids, gather around and listen to Uncle Carl as he spins you a ta- real quick tale. Back in the day, <laughs> before the internet, before cell phones and, and the, your Fortnites and your floss dances and whatnot, we had these things called landlines. And sometimes you could call special numbers to talk to like celebrities you liked, like Corey Haim or Corey Feldman. <laughs> you could call them and, and hear pre-recorded messages and be charged $3 a minute to hear these pre-recorded messages. Maybe you would get the weather report from Corey Feldman. Maybe Kirk Cameron would tell you your horoscope. And isn't that funny in hindsight? But, so you had to spend some money to call these numbers. And you would you decided whether or not Robin lived or died in the fourth issue. And he uh, it ended up he died, I think it was something by 38 votes. It's very close, yeah. Voted for him to die. So they're doing an animated adaptation of that story. Here's the really interesting twist. They're doing something new, and I saw it in the trailer, and I was instantly like, okay, this is cool that you're doing this, and I'm really interested to see this now. So what they're doing is... It's an interactive movie in that when it gets to the point where Robin would die, there's, from what I understand, there's three choices. There's he dies, he lives, and then there's like a third choice saying he cheats death. I'm not quite sure what that is. But whatever one you pick, you get a completely different film from that point forward. That's, that's, and it's, that's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, and it's done with the the same uh, voice actors, the same visual style that Under the Red Hood was done in, and it's it really looks interesting. And I'm definitely definitely probably gonna uh, watch this when it comes out because I like when they do they try to do something new, and this is definitely trying something new. I mean, the technology is there to do something something like this. Um, yeah. So that's that's a neat uh, that's a neat way to do a classic story with a very um, classic story behind it. Um, yeah, interesting. So yeah, that I believe comes out in the fall. So when what they make when have... they make the Hush movie, can there be an option for Hush to actually be Jason Todd? They already made the Hush movie. Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> but from the trailer for this for death in the family it does appear in one of the options that jason todd actually becomes hush oh 
Interesting. So, yeah. Check out the trailer. I think he dick. So, last thing we have to talk about is Gen Con is kind of going on this week, too. Again, ish. Kind of, yeah. Uh, Gen Con is the uh, sort of the San Diego Comic Con of the board game industry. And a lot of new stuff has been announced. Uh, there's new. I'm very excited for uh, new content for Marvel Champions coming out. Um, so, Drew, really quickly, just a quick side note before we get to what we're going to talk about. So, Marvel Champions, you play it once. Um, they're coming out with Ant-Man and Wasp hero packs. Mm-hmm. And you know how, like, in Marvel Champions, you can flip from, like, if you're being Spider-Man, you flip from Peter Parker to being Spider-Man? Yeah. Well, Ant-Man and Wasp have three forms in the game. You you start out Scott Lang, you flip your card to Ant-Man, and then you can unfold the card to a larger card and become Giant Man. <laughs> okay. How cool is that? It's just really kind of neat. Neat. Um, so, Fantasy Flight Games, the the company that makes my beloved X-Wing and kind of is one of the biggest companies in board gaming because they get all the the top line licenses. They have Star Wars, they have Marvel. Um, and in you know what they've done with Marvel predominantly with Champions is, you know, it's really cool. Um, but they announced this week that there is an X-Men board game coming out. And this, I think, was worth mentioning because, you know, as far as mainstream product, aside from films, it's it's been a long, dry season for the mutants of Marvel. Uh, well, they're back in a big way that, recently. The House of X stuff and, and, you know, all that. I mean, are they, though? Yeah. Yeah, they are. If I, if I went back and read House of X, would I be able to continue reading those books and not be confused by the third issue? If you read them, I think you would get it. I, I'm not saying you would like it, but I think you would get it. Um, So, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm of the, I'm of the, I, I, I get it, but I'm kind of not super invested in it mentality. Um, but you know, it, it, I feel you though, like the MCU, I mean, look, look, if we're being honest, the MCU has kind of sucked up all of the air in, in the Marvel world, um, over the last decade. And they've kind of snuffed out the interest in the X-Men and the non-MCU stuff, in, in a way. Um, that's, just, that's just the way it is right now. And it's not like the comic's fault... It's just right. it's it's just in the in the con- in, in the it's consciousness not, in the consciousness not of not people. The comics fault either at the well, same time. The comics are the reason the comics. Well, I mean, they were downplayed intentionally to spite 
film studios and whatever. And that that is the comic's fault to a degree. But I mean, you know, you could still be a creator on those books and like really try your 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 best to tell great, riveting stories. And 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 for you know, I'm not trying to to, to slag on the works of anyone that's worked on that stuff, but you know there. There's something to be said for just a feeling of importance in in the air, so to speak. And the X-Men just haven't had that in a really long time. So, you know, they're starting to build them back up in other media now that, you know, Disney slash Marvel is fully in control of the property again. Um, so, you know, here we go. For a long time, they got, they got pushed out. They you couldn't get a a game like this getting announced. You couldn't get a Fantastic Four expansion into other stuff. You couldn't you know that stuff was all squashed because of the movie stuff, and that's no longer an issue. So here they come. They're starting to come back. Um, so just just wait. It's coming. Once they get the big movie push, you're you know it's all everything old will be new again, and we're, it'll, it'll all feel great. I will be very interested to see how the game plays. Yeah. It does have a very nice visual presentation, and that's kind of on par for Fantasy Flight games. They seem to be invoking a lot of the 90s animated series vibe, which, to be fair, is probably a smart thing, because, you know, there's a lot more fans of of that stuff than there are current fans, to be, to be frank. So, yeah. you know, remind people of the things that they like and they'll check it out all right so i'm i think we can fairly say with a lot of confidence that alan will probably pick that one up (laughs) being a giant x-men fan as he is um so yeah i look forward to playing it uh that about does it for the news drew unless you can think of anything nope um it's news has been weird lately so i'm good all right. So that brings us to our next installment, revisiting that galaxy far, far away. Um, easily the most divisive installment, as mentioned previously by Mr. Cyrus Moore. Um, and, of course, we are going to be talking about The Last Jedi. Now, obviously, there was a lot of buildup to this movie. People had questions. Uh, from Force Awakens, there was questions of Snoke, Luke, a whole bunch of stuff going into this, and there was a lot of build-up to it. And I remember when we saw this movie, we didn't see it together, we saw it like a day apart, and that Friday night... There was, I, I actually, you know what? I don't think it was a Friday night. I think we were just doing like a random game night over the weekend. And we were very confused. And we kind of looked at each other. We were like, is this movie bad? <laughs> because, because we weren't, you know, we had been trained by the Phantom Menace to you know, not just blindly accept Star Wars as being good. No. no. Um, you know, our 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 brains had like a defensive firewalls to 
put up to prevent us from having that trauma again. So we were very unsure of it. But I remember that, like, you went to see it again, and I was thinking about it more. I only saw it once in the theaters, but more and more I thought about it. The more and more we were kind of like, okay, not only is this not bad, this is really good. I, I've thought that for a long time, and I still consider it good. But having rewatched it this week, let's put it this way. I get why people don't like it. I, I will say that. I get why people don't like it. And yeah, as, and I, as a I, movie... Yeah, but here's the thing. I think the reason a lot of people don't like it isn't necessarily because of its merits as a film. They don't like it because of the things that it's about and the things that it has to say, which are the reasons why I like it and think that it's good. Um, Having said that, as a movie, I've always felt it's a little choppy and there's definitely problems with its narrative and its character arcs and and i will still i still feel that way so it definitely i has flaws. it's it is a flawed movie for sure um and i and i, I want to reiterate what i'm trying to say about this movie is strictly about this movie as a sequel to the force awakens as a new entry into the Star Wars franchise and what that entails. And it's not a, I'm not reacting to it necessarily as someone who is trying to make it fit into the Star Wars lore or canon or my own wish fulfillment necessarily. Um, but again, it's not, it's not perfect. It is flawed. However, I think it has tremendous value in that it was one. It's a Star Wars movie about things and about uh, subjects that other movies in this franchise are not. <laughs> like I love Star Wars, but generally speaking, right. it's really not about that much. It's it's fantasy. Okay. Right. This one definitely had messages and themes and things to say about this fantasy. And for that, I really enjoy it. And I think it's rather brilliant in a lot of ways. Flawed, but brilliant. And that's why I like it. Um, on the flip side, you get something like... We're going to talk about this in our next episode. And to be honest with you, I'm actually dreading talking about it. You get something like the rise of Skywalker and I have nothing to say necessarily about the rise of Skywalker in any real capacity because it's just, it doesn't leave me with much to say at all because it, it doesn't, it, it's just fluff and a lot of it at that. Whereas the last Jedi is like, trying to really relay themes and feelings and and messages to the viewer. And again, narratively, it's not perfect. But overall, the things it's trying to say, I agree with and I think are interesting. And 
had this whole trilogy been planned out, the seeds that it plants or could have picked up from or could have gone on, uh, this all could have, it, it, it could all have been so much better in a, in a way. But alas, we, we, that's not the way it went. But again, just looking at this movie, I totally understand why people have problems with it. However, I, I commend it for, for having the fortitude to have themes and stick to them and be about something. Right. So when, whenever I start talking about this movie, I usually lead with the following statement. Ryan, with this film, Ryan Johnson burned down everything Star Wars, Star Wars had become to that point and reestablished everything Star Wars was meant to be. Go on. And he does so primarily through Luke. Um, I think Luke is one of the the first things we really have to talk about when talking about The Last Jedi, because he was the thing that people were looking forward to the most. And probably the main reason why people who don't like the film don't like it. And like you said, I understand that. Having grown up with the character of Luke and having gone with him on his journey countless times and getting this idea in my head of what of the, of the person he would grow into of the Jedi master he would grow into. Uh, and to, to have that moment in the beginning of the film where is a con- the continuation of the the climactic scene of Force Awakens, where he's handed his lightsaber, his father's lightsaber, Anakin's lightsaber, something he never thought he would see again, and we're all we all spent like years wondering what was his reaction to that going to be, and then he just tosses it over his shoulder and walks away, just like. You have an initial chuckle because it's a very it's like a it's a funny thing when you first see it, but then like you're like well, wait you're like, wait, what? Yeah, see here's the thing. I think and and that that okay. <laughs> what what we're what what that reaction is and what I think the problem here is is a question of tone, okay? And for whatever reason, this movie definitely bent comedic more than any other entry of this franchise. So, like, in the very beginning, when we get this sequence with uh, Poe doing this, com- like, womp womp routine with General Hux on the you know, on the, on the destroyer or whatever, or the, the, the dreadnought. Right. I'm not going to lie. It, it does feel very odd and out of place in star Wars, given the gravity of things. Now I'm not saying that there's no there, that, that star Wars cannot have humor and cannot, you know, 
do those things, but it 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 was rather jarring. It felt like something out of a Marvel film. And that's weird because that's not really what Star Wars is known for. Now, look. Uh, whatever. Poe wants to, you know, poke poke the bear of General Hux. Fine. But then we get to Luke, and that's what we came for, given the way the last film ended. The the opening scene is is great, okay, with the with the the, the battle and, and, and setting up Poe as being a, a hothead and, and doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, despite being a good guy. Uh, okay, great, fine. That, that, that's all fine. But we came here to see what happens with Luke first and foremost. So we cut to Luke. So we just had this jokey joke sequence with Poe to open the film. And now we're greeted with Luke Skywalker, wah, wah, throws it over his shoulder. And in, 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 in again, very comedic fashion. If I can, and I think a lot of people at that point were like, what is happening? What, you know, what, what, what is going on here? There's a way to do that scene that's not that. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, and and like, he could look at it, walk up a step or two or something past Ray, you know, briskly as he does. And then just throw it aside, like, you know, emphatically. But the over-the-shoulder toss, like, it, it, it just plays so comedically that it's, it really is jarring. I get that. Yeah. I get I So I get why people might be, might be off-put. However, uh, all right, I want to get this out of the way. Let me get this out of the way. Okay. I'm of two minds, okay? I think that the movie does a tremendous job with Luke Skywalker in the story they wanted to tell with Luke Skywalker. I think Mark Hamill kills this role. He is incredible. He's he is I I love it and I want more of it. Can't happen obviously, but I would sign up to watch this, you know, Mark Hamill play Luke Skywalker any day, anytime. And he kills it in the role. And the story they wanted to tell was one of a disillusioned Luke Skywalker who finds redemption and ultimately lives up to his legend to a degree, right? And that's great. It it does that exceptionally well. And I give it full marks for it. Having said that, I still, even now, I still have a hard time accepting the, the the choices that were made that specifically the way Luke got to where he got to like the idea of grizzled, you know, grizzled veteran master Luke Skywalker is, is cool, but how he got there still does. I still have a hard time with it that he would contemplate even for a, a, a nanosecond killing his nephew when you're talking about the 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 jedi who turned his father back from the dark side in the previous trilogy the one who in the face of in the face of getting his own hand cut off by by his father in the face of his father destroying alderaan in the face of everyone telling him how evil vader was luke 
insisted, saw the good, and turned his father back. And, and the one who threw his lightsaber aside and told the emperor, dead, dead to his face, I will never turn to the dark side. That guy, I still have a hard time buying that he saw darkness in his nephew, his own blood, and was contemplating killing him. However, however brief it was, because like, again, in the movie, he does go out of his way to say, in the briefest of moments, he, he ignited his lightsaber and immediately felt ashamed, but it was too late. I know, I get that. But still, I have a hard time with that. I'm just going to put that out there. So, however, I- the, the story they told, for what it is, and the way it was done, is they, they did it well. And Mark Hamill is tremendous doing this this role. So I think one of the great things they do with Luke in this film is they make him relatable again. They do. Because because in in Star Wars and in A New Hope, we can relate to Luke. You know, we've all looked over the horizon, wondered what was going to be that next big adventure. By the end of the trilogy, you know, he's this, he's come to the end of that journey, and he's a lot less relatable. I can, I can relate to someone who's looked over the horizon to see what's next. I can relate to someone who struggled to achieve something. I can't relate to someone who is you know, looked as like this massive legendary figure and what he was able to do and the legend that he grew into outside of the films. So what, what Ryan Johnson did in this film was to make him relatable again by essentially making him human again. Yeah. By pointing out that we're all fallible and we all fail. And yes, it's it's hard to believe that that character would have that moment of weakness given everything he went through. But at the same time, given everything he went through, given the war that he had to fight, not only against the Empire, but against his own father, against himself, his own dark side temptations to be with his father... To get a glimpse that that might all come back. And not only that, it might all come back, but it might all come back through a Skywalker bloodline again. That moment of weakness is understandable. And I feel that conveying that moment of weakness and Luke's failure with Ben losing him to the dark side shows us that the, the great, the great sin of the Skywalker family has always been vanity and Anakin fell to it in the prequels by beginning to believe his own legend. Luke fell to it in between the films by buying into what other people were, were telling him he was, the only one of the family that, that never fell to that sin was Leia. 
she she never fell to vanity her life was always that of service and it's it's hard for us as fans to accept that a character we love and put so much stock in can be fallible like that but it's it's the best characters i feel that have those flaws that can be knocked down by them that it, which is why it was one key thing why this story is the story endures the way it has for so many generations um you know yeah luke had that moment of weakness that he instantly fought back because he remembered who he was and luke like ryan johnson used luke so much in this to speak directly to the audience there there are times when when he's speaking lines of dialogue in that film where he's speaking to the audience and like the the one the one that stands out the most is when he's he's speaking to ray and he says what do you think was going to happen that I was going to show up with a laser sword and take on the entire first order myself because that's what people were thinking going into this film. Right, right, right. Oh, Luke's back. We're going to get Luke. He's going to take on the whole first order by himself. You don't, you don't build up characters like he did in the force awakens. You don't have these great characters like Ray and Finn and Poe and, and then just hand it all back over to Luke. You know, yes, oh, those of us who've grown up with these films, yeah, the, those of us who've grown point. up with these films, yeah, we, we want to see more Luke. But it's we're not, it, the, folks. The the time time is can be cruel, and the time for us to get films featuring these classic characters that we love so much has passed. <laughs> and these characters, these characters, and these films are to facilitate the introduction of new characters and a new generation of fans and the fallacy of Luke that he has that moment of weakness that he tells us like, you know, I was wrong about the Jedi. He never says he was wrong about the force. He was wrong about the Jedi. And this goes back to, and we, we had conversations like this before this film came out of, like how the force, the portrayal of the force had become, and Ryan Johnson said it in interviews, the portrayal of force had become like a superpower. Right. And that was, it was originally intended to be, which is a force, a force of nature. Yes. You know, that one of my two favorite scenes in this film, the first one is when Luke legitimately starts to train Ray. Mm-hmm. And we get, for, for the first time, a very solid, concrete definition of what the Force is. Like, we get, we get a definition of an empire from Yoda. We get an idea of it, but it's flushed out more in this dialogue between Luke and Rey. The balance between everything, the space between everything, how everything is connected, that the Force is not exclusively to the light side and it's not exclusively to the dark side it exists within both because it is of both 
And that's why I think people along the way forgot. And I, I agree with all that. And I actually, I think Luke's uh, message to Ray is actually spot on. Um, the Jedi were kind of full of crap. And at the height, like he says, at the height of their powers, they allowed the Sith to show up and just basically screw everything up. Um, Luke yeah. saw the light, so to speak. Uh, that that being a Jedi is wasn't all it's cracked up to be. Now, seeing as that's all he wanted to be, that realization kind of broke him. And if there's one thing that I think that this movie was trying to push forward and then the rise of Skywalker completely nerfed. It's that, yes, it was time for the Jedi to end. The message of this whole movie, by the way, is death and rebirth, the cycle of life. Um, things change and things move on and that's okay. That's yes. kind of the central theme of the movie. And like, I agree with that. Okay. So the idea, like, and that's, again, that's probably why I, that's probably why I like this movie and will defend it because that message is like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's Kyle Ren tells the, tells the audience that message. Let the past die. Well, kill it. I'm not, I'm not about to kill it necessarily, but yeah, you know, he says it in more explicit terms, but even Luke says like, it's time for the Jedi to end. Having said that, he still agrees to train Ray. Even though he says, I'll train you and I'll show you why the Jedi have to end. You know what I mean? Like he says both at the same time. He's going to train yeah. her, but he's also going to, in training her, show her why the Jedi, why she should not be a Jedi. Okay, well, right. if, she shouldn't, if, if, if she shouldn't be a Jedi, but you're still showing her the ways of the Force, what are you guiding her to be? Right? So there is a, there's, there's a lane in this movie that I wish could have been taken. This there's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of there's a, oh god, Carl, the what ifs of of the sequel trilogy. But one of the lanes that I felt could have been taken was Ray learns from Luke, and she learns not just all the ways of the Jedi, but also what Luke has learned since becoming disillusioned with the idea of the Jedi. And she goes her own way entirely, right? And as even Yoda says in this movie regarding young people they are what we grow beyond or the, i'm sorry we are what they yeah. grow beyond I, yeah. did, I did a yoda thing see yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. you flipped it down in reverse uh-huh, uh-huh. and that that was intriguing to me and that's the way i would have gone However, Rise of Skywalker, again, reverses all of this back to status quo and whatever. We'll get to that next episode. And I'm sure I'll have a lot to say, and maybe I won't. I don't know. But again, looking specifically at this movie, it's turning things on its head in a way and saying, like, look, man, the Jedi were idealized, and they still screwed up the whole thing. So maybe this whole Force thing with Jedi and the Sith, maybe it's not that black and white. Maybe there's another way. Maybe we can just maybe be people and some people can use the force and they don't have to adhere to the strict dogma of whatever. They can just be cool and be good, but they also are in tune with the force. 
And that's kind of like the direction I felt this was going to go. And that's that's where I felt the thrust going. Unfortunately, that's not where it went. But the cycle, again, the cycle of of death, rebirth, uh, 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 you know, new, overtaking the old, and, and that being just the natural order of things. This movie is definitely about that on its face. And, you know, I, I, I respect it for that. I think it's great. I yeah, think I, I think, think I think that theme and its messaging are great. Yeah. And that's why I, I defend this movie. Right. And and our thing like again to after we'll kind of move on to the other characters after this, but like another thing with Luke, what jarred people so much about the character he was in this, like you gotta understand you gotta look deeper than oh Ben Solo turned to the dark side. Yeah, on the surface, that what is, but you gotta look deeper in that. You have your sister and your best friend have entrusted you with their child. Right, right. Your nephew, your blood they have entrusted you to take care of this child and essentially raise him in a way that he will not follow in his grandfather's footsteps. And that it's, it's hard to explain. It's, it's so cliche that you can't like, you can't explain parenthood to someone who's never been a parent because you really can't it's 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 like trying to it's like an astronaut trying to explain what the experience of outer space being in outer space is you can to some point but unless it's something you actually experience you're never going to fully understand it the failure of losing Ben Solo is not just the failure of losing Ben Solo to the dark side, but it's also the failure of a brother to his sister and a best friend to another best friend. And I don't care what, what achievements you have. I don't care what you've been through and how, how much you've strengthened yourself through your life experiences. If something like that doesn't rock you to your core and really shake your foundations, I think there might be something fundamentally wrong with you as a human (laughs) being. And I think I think people really undersell that aspect of the character in this film. Again, a- as he is written, I think it's gr- he, I think it's great. It's just it's just the question of would I have do I consider how we got here to be valid? And I str- I still struggle with that. However, in what they did and how he, he performed like his narrative arc, I it's it's great and Hamill owns every second of it. Yeah. Now, um, now, um, yeah. having said that, 
I, I, I've kind of gone over why I like this movie because I think thematic, thematically it works. There's a, there's a lot of things thematically in this movie that, that work that I like about it. But structurally, it's really uneven and messy. And that's always bugged me, even as I defend the movie. So I don't know where to begin with this, to be honest with you. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that we need to delve too deeply. But can we just agree that maybe the idea of some kind of weird chase where people can come and go as they please from said chase to go to some weird casino planet that definitely reminds me of the prequels uh, and then return back to said chase is a little weird structurally from a, for, for a movie? It's not that it's weird. It's just not great. It's not great. It, yeah. It, 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 definitely for me, the key flaw in the film is the whole chase Holdo not telling the plan. Like what's well, I don't you know having the whole thing the whole watched, thing with Holdo not telling the plan could have been fixed with one line. Like we're afraid the first order has spies on the ship. Or something adjacent to that. Sure. In in my in my repeated viewings though, I have noticed like Poe see the audience wants to wants to back poe because we know him right but in watching it again it's like "Mm, dude you definitely defied orders that got people killed in that opening scene you you, yeah you did okay and then when holdo takes over that's what she knows about him this guy defied orders and got people killed so I don't know Holdo, so therefore my distrust is up as a viewer, as a, as an audience member. However, given what is you know when you really watch it again, it's like, well, wait, why why would she trust this guy with anything, with any sort of information like that? And it makes sense. Not to mention yeah. when the plan fully kicks in uh to send Finn and Rose on the mission to Canto Bight to do the, the 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 code breaker thing which by the way this is all very convoluted and it whatever they're only tracking from the lead ship and yada yada, yada. like it, it gets very in the weeds with the techno babble but whatever um I, when i saw that scene happen it like he actively says like she doesn't need to know the plan it's like oh dude oh dude you're 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 doing it again like people's lives are at stake here and you're putting a lot of eggs in this basket of whatever right maybe tell your superior officer that that of of this plan you know your plan has right. le- your plan has legs maybe bring it up the chain so that it can be done i i don't know it so he's clearly in the wrong i definitely have you know, seen that in the in the movie on subsequent viewings, like you know, no no matter how the audience might want to feel about Poe because we know him from the first movie, wow, is he in the wrong here? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. Yeah, you're right there. And um, actually, I never thought of it that way, and I really like that interpretation of it. Um, I enjoyed the character of Holdo. She's fine. Was it crazy? Was it crazy about her wardrobe? I was so gonna much? say in my notes. It's, 
notes. This is, uh, you know, <laughs> there will be notes. This is, <laughs> this, this is a military operation, Admiral. <laughs> not that, that it's not prom. Um, yeah, it's not prom. It's, uh, so no, I really enjoyed her. I wish she would have survived. Um, and yet, so yeah, that's definitely she had to go out like a boss. But yeah, oh, she she went out like probably one of the most stunning scenes in Star Wars history. Easily, easily. Uh, but that whole side plot uh, just 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 really. Yeah, you know, it just it doesn't. If I can bring up another like murky area. The idea of Cantobite, again, the visuals and everything, man, it, fe- it felt it felt prequely, and I got I got a little ch- I got there were some chills. I was like, oh god, no, 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 no. <laughs> we Force Awakens got us away from this. What are you doing? But in any case, um, the idea of uh, like like this the same people selling weapons to the first order and the the, okay the morally gray area right that got weird for me right away now look on on paper and in you know college debate circles or whatever you can start to debate the merits of the first order and the resistance you, you know what I mean? Like you, we can have discussions about who's right and who's yeah. wrong and maybe it's all kind of gray and weird and f- fine, fine. Okay. But let me, let me, that's the weapon, the weapon selling to both sides thing and all that. And like who, who's really good and who's really bad. And that's a heavy idea. And that's even like, that's like, that's too heavy for star Wars. Okay. Like, we're talking about, a, in, in general, this is a fantasy film, okay? We have heroes and villains, and honestly, we, we do. Like, the movie messages as such to us that we have heroes and villains. You're introducing a, a concept that's like, hey, you know your heroes and villains? They're really not heroic, and they're really not as villainous as you think. That's, that's way too heady for this. We, we need a clear delineation, Who's good? Who's bad? Okay, cool. Just just to make the movie work, you know? So when that concept got kind of introduced, it was like, ah, I don't I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. We we need we need some solid ground to stand on here, you know? Like I'm just trying to enjoy my space adventure. <laughs> and, yeah. and we're getting really I, into the weeds. I I don't think that part is as much about saying you know, the good guys are really bad and the bad guys are really good, vice versa. I think it's saying it's more to establish that in this galaxy, there are those who don't necessarily fall in line with either one, and they're just trying to survive and make a little scratch on the side. Like, I, I really I enjoy the character of DJ because he was Hansel without the heart of gold. You know, we got a straight-up scoundrel who just took the best deal that was offered to him and and you know took the money and ran uh he doesn't get his comeuppance what have you in the in the film nor do we see him at all or as he mentioned at all in rise of skywalker yeah um which which but is like he's stupid just, to be, I mean, to be he, to, yeah right 
he was there ultimately to service Finn's storyline. Okay. Uh, Can we talk about Finn's storyline? Yes, I was just going to transition that. He has the same storyline as he did in the first movie. Disagree. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, can't run away, gotta do the right thing. That was his arc in the first movie. Can't run away, do the right thing. That's his arc in the second movie. Uh, I mean, come on. If there's any... My my overall reaction to the whole sequel trilogy, to be honest, is going to be a, th- a recurring theme of missed opportunities and and unrealized potential. And Finn as the, as the storm tr- the rebel storm the 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 rogue stormtrooper, if you will. Um, man, that's an idea that really was ripe, and they didn't do much with uh, across the course of three movies. Maybe in the first one they did enough with, but you had that 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 idea could could go so far in in the subsequent ones, and it really doesn't. Um, he has the same arc. He's trying to run away in the first movie. He's trying to run away in the first movie, and then he realizes that he has to stay for his friends. Second one, pretty much exactly the same. I, I what, wow, what a what an arc for for Finn. I I feel like he deserved better. So in the fir- in Force Awakens, Finn's arc is primarily about leaving the First Order, rejecting everything he had known about himself, and whether or not he is primarily drawn to Rey for you know obvious reasons, mm-hmm. not more so Rey than the Resistance as is the Resistance as a means to an end. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the film, he he essentially is just trying to get to Ray. It's not about the resistance. It's about running from, like you said, running from the First Order and rejecting that life that he was raised in. The second film, it starts with that because that's, I mean... I mean, come on, he's been in a coma, so he hasn't had much time to develop his character in between the two films. It's true. Plus, plus Last Jedi picks up, like, almost immediately, probably within a week or so after Force Awakens. Uh, There's not a lot... Instantaneous, really, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, so there's not a lot of time for character development here. The Last Jedi for Finn is about accepting his place in the universe, finding his place in the universe and finding out who he really is. And what part of that process was being shown who he potentially can be. And that is, you know, for the longest time. And when I first saw it, I obviously wasn't crazy about the cancel bite scene as most people are not. And I get it. Like you mentioned, it it does have a polish to it that harkens back to the prequels. Upon uh, you know further viewings of it, I feel that polish is necessary because it, you need to show Finn what he thinks he wants 
out of life. Because as soon as Finn shows up on Cancel Bike, he loves it instantaneously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I could do this. I could live like this with no problem whatsoever. It's the first time that we really see him express desire for a life that doesn't involve Ray. So and still hasn't still hasn't really bought into the resistance at all. So so DJ is there to kind of drive that point home that not only can you live this life, but you can be profitable at it too, if you're willing to kind of, you know, deal to both ends of an extreme spectrum, both of which you are kind of rejecting at this point. And through his experiences on Cantobite with Rose, seeing Cantobite through Rose's eyes and seeing what, you know, going back to the first order getting back on that ship again finn ultimately accepts his place in the universe not at not because of ray but because of his own choosing he accepts himself as a rebel as rebel scum and that acceptance is demonstrated in his willingness to sacrifice himself for the resistance. And a lot of people say, you know, they should have let him do that. They should have let him, you know, make that sacrifice and crash the, the, the ski speeder into the Death Star cannon and, you know, have a glorious ending. But, that's not what the movie is about. It's not about sacrifice. It's about finding your place in life. Yeah. And Rose again had to remind him of that. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. That's, and that's, that's fine. Um, I don't disagree. Um, and everything you said about the Canto Blight sequence showing him, you know, all that. And it, it, again, on paper, the whole Canto Blight sequence makes sense and 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 again i agree with its messaging pretty much wholeheartedly like it's it's good stuff but in this particular narrative it it it's wildly out of place it it like i mean the themes are there but how we got there is is Oh God, it doesn't make sense. I, I don't, you know what I mean? It, it maybe in another movie, maybe in a side story, maybe in a episode of a TV show, you know what I mean? But we're in the midst of this like life and death chase between, you know, our, our, our heroes and villains and, and yada, yada. And here we are in this little side adventure. And it's so convenient that we even got to this side adventure, given that you were being chased down by the first or like, you know what I mean? Right. That that whole No, idea. I get it. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And the the chase story it, it, to me is more problematic than the devices that spawned from it. Right, right, right. Like as, on its own in another narrative, the whole Finn Rose thing is is fine. I I'm totally cool with it. But how they got there and what's at stake in the timeline. You know, like, you know what I mean? When I'm a, when there's a chase thing going on, I feel like there's a, you know, even in a, in a, in a movie, there's an internal clock in my head clicking like, okay, they have to 
how, you know, we got to get back over there with whatever, like soon. Right. right? And right. they're just over here on this casino thing. Like, you know, Hey, we escaped our terrible situation. And now we're on this lush casino planet. Pretty cool. Huh? You know, you know what I mean? Like, well, why don't you right. just, just stay there? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, they wouldn't because they're heroes, but like, God, it just, it's, it's such an, it just, if that situation was so dire, it seemed really easy just to get away from it. Why didn't everyone just take an escape pod to Canto Bite? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know no, I get it. It's weird. Yeah. Um, again, again, the structure of the film is flawed, but, but what the film is trying to do as far as, like you mentioned earlier, as far as what it's trying to say, its themes, everything is just, really yes really good the, the themes um, and the messaging are in this movie are on point and i and that's why i insist that i like the movie because it is it has messaging it has themes that i agree with it's just the narrative that supports those things is unfortunately very weird and and, and choppy um, yeah and it, it's funny because of our three main new characters you know finn and poe have an arc that helped them to grow and establish who they are and who they're going to be in the next film. Whereas Ray is left questioning at the end of the film with, which is not a bad thing. Well, it it mirrors, it mirrors the ending of empire, which Luke was questioning everything, you know, Ray, while, having a newfound confidence and understanding of the force, you know, some, and, you know, she says at the end of the film, like, how can we go on with so little? And Leia's like, we, we have everything we need. If I may, I think, I think Ray's, um, confusion is not the conclusion that's 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 her that's her thrust in this movie but this movie is ray's self-actualization and that aspect of this movie is actually great and perfect right and it's tragic and unfortunate that they had to undo it and whatever in the next movie because they just had to make her somebody related to somebody. Whereas this movie's messaging is very, very clear that she is not anybody special, but that is not the point. The point is... Well, no, she is not anybody, but that does not necessarily mean she is not special. Right, that's what I I was... following that up that that does not mean that she is not important and that does not mean that, that she does not have value um she absolutely does and that's the point of the movie that like greatness right. and a greatness and and specialness comes from anywhere you don't have to be born into it or whatever right and it's not just evident in ray's story and her acceptance of that, by the way, at the end, it basically like when 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 Ben tells her the truth about her parents, well, at least what we perceive to be the truth in this movie, she, you know, she accepts it. She knows it already. He just tells her the truth. Yeah. And 
she comes to terms with it and decides it doesn't really matter because after he tells her that, he presents her with a choice of, you know, what to do and she decides to do what she wants to do because it's the right thing to do. She self-actualizes, right? Right. And she saves the resistance with her learnings from Luke Skywalker and whatnot, and she accepts her place as, you know, whatever, as 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 a Jedi or whatever she's going to be. And she is no longer, you know, pining for her par- her parents and, and all like you know what I mean? That that narrative arc is closed. She she has faced the truth and after facing it still is a hero and does the heroic deed, right? Now, that theme of greatness and coming from anywhere is even reinforced in the final scene of the movie, which, by the way, I will go to my grave saying is brilliant. Brilliant. Are you talking about Broom Boy? Yes. That is brilliant. The kids playing with the, the makeshift toys, telling the legend of Luke Skywalker and all that, just for the kid to get chased off by an oppressor and show that he, even unbeknownst to himself of to what he's dealing with, you know what I mean? Like, he just casually forced, brings the broom to his hand in that in that oh so casual motion that's like so quick you might miss it that's brilliant that's and then he looks up at the stars because he wants to get out of this you know his plight come on man it's obvious right luke skywalker wants to get off the farm it's it's it is obvious but it's brilliant that kid is us dude yeah you know what i mean like he's playing star wars toys and then he wants to be in, yeah, oh, it's, 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 it's amazing. And all that, again, self-actualization, the future, you are what you, you know, all of it, all of it. You don't have to come from the noble bloodline to be special. This kid is in a stable. Ray is nobody. But you know what I mean? It's all there right. in this movie. And I, I like all of that messaging. That's all great stuff. And that's why I like the movie. Um, Having said that, having said that, it definitely dawned on me in uh, watching Broom Boys, that that, that sequence, I was like, man, that is so good, that is so good, that scene would have been so, these movies would have been so effective, more effective, had they taken place like a thousand years after the events of the original trilogy and arguably we never see our original heroes again but we pick up with these kids playing with toys that are the legends that we grew up with and they become the new heroes that the new story could be i i only say that because you know we don't get because of all the missed opportunities and all the things that, you know, people might be upset about with this, with the sequel trilogy, for instance, yeah. you know, our principal heroes from the original don't get back together on screen. again. I've been over that last time. Um, yeah. the unhappy ending for our heroes, 
that we saw have a happy ending at the end of Return of the Jedi and how sad that kind of is. You know, that's all tough to deal with. But, man, that Broom Boy sequence is like, oh, God, if you would have set these movies far after our heroes are long gone and are the stuff of legends and kids in stables and in, in terrible conditions are still talking about them and, and like relaying their stories as legend. That is so powerful. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just playing. What if, but to me, no, I get it. I, yeah. Yeah. That, that could, would, that could have been, that could have been cool. And in this I movie, def- it's, in this movie, it's still cool. Yeah. I would definitely like to see that story. Um, you know, we we talked about Finn. We've talked a little bit about Ray. Um, let's talk about Poe for a little bit. Okay. Poe's arc, while not as flushed out as Finn and Ray's, is still significant for him. Yeah. Because his arc is that he learns to be a leader. He does. And he he learns it through... Uh, some bad mistakes, some, you know, painful choices, but he also learns it through the guiding hand and occasional slap, uh, of Leia Organa, Mm -hmm. arguably the greatest leader in Star Wars history. Yes. Um, and it's not, it's unfortunate because of like most of all of his arc takes place in that storyline that we find problematic with the film being the chase. Um, but especially at the end when he begins to understand that sacrifices, um, have to be made for something like this to survive. And, you know, a sacrifice of something to the level of Luke Skywalker so that the resistance can escape and rebuild doesn't mean that he should charge head on into impossible odds battle like he did in the first film or in the in the beginning of the uh, the film. Right. Um, and so it's, I think it's really, it's a, it's a good art for him. I just wish it, they found another way to convey it. Um, yeah, the, 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 the situ his situation is like narratively fine, but it's the, the Canto bite diversion, yada, yada, that, that makes it problematic. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, uh, but him learning how to be a leader through, you know, the way he did learning the hard way, unfortunately, uh, is it, that's all fine. It's all fine. Um, and, and, and again, on rewatch, even the opening battle, when, when Leia tells him like, that's a direct order, get, you know, get out of there. And it's like, no, we're going to do this. And it's like, yeah, dude, you justified a direct order from Leia Organa. Right. And what immediately follows that, like people die, like his squad gets killed and sure they take out the dreadnought. Great. But man, you just lost your bomber fleet, you lost friends, you lost pilots, you all could have reconvened and lived to fight another day, you know? Yeah. And it's so much, it's so obvious on subsequent viewings, like, dude, the the, the hero stuff, you know, I, we all kind of want a rah-rah hero guy, but at the same time, that there's a time and a place, and 
Yeah. He, he has to learn that he and we to a degree have to learn that lesson. You have to remember you're in service of a greater cause. Right. 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 You're, you're, you're in service of others. Yep. Yep. And I, I think he, he, Believes that in the beginning, just the way he chooses to go about it is ill-advised. Yep. Um, but still, at the end, the lessons are learned. He comes to a realization, and he learns to be a leader. Um, he's probably one of the, the few things that wasn't bad in uh, Skywalker. And when I say few things, I mean very Ah, I, I have um, no recollection, so we'll, I'll find out when yeah. I watch it again before our next our next podcast. Having said that, like people that want to be divisive about this movie, um, look, you know, you, it is what it is. It is. It's not. Per, again, we we both say it's not perfect, right? Right. However, however, there are those that there are those that would say uh, about the sequel trilogy as a whole, even, but this movie being the biggest culprit. Well, I don't even know. I don't. I don't know where Rise of Skywalker falls on this on the scale. But this movie definitely was the beginning of the the big, you know, wedge. Um, see, these sequel movies are bad, so therefore the prequel movies are good. And no, I, I'm sorry, I can't get there. Um, you can say whatever you want about the quality of of these of the the sequel trilogy and 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 whatever however you feel about the last jedi and it's whatever it has to say but as a, in terms of just filmmaking <laughs> and uh cast direction acting lighting etc uh it still outshines any of the prequels in in every way basically yeah um so no, I, I agree uh, you know even even in the most divisive, even in even of Rise of Skywalker, I will tell you that there is so much great work being put in by people. Okay, like Oscar Isaac and and Jabayega and and Daisy Ridley, everyone is putting in the work. These, I, it, it's it's almost and again, said it before, say it again, missed opportunities, um, missed potential. It's it's not for lack of talent. Everyone involved in this movie, in this in these three movies, man, they have chemistry. They have so much chemistry. It's ridiculous how much chemistry they have, you know. And we like them, and and it's it's kind of a shame that they didn't get more to work with. You know what I mean? Right. And I say that as someone who likes the Force Awakens and likes the Last Jedi. But the legacy of the sequel trilogy, unfortunately, is not great right now. Maybe it'll be reviewed better later, but for now, it's kind of like, it's this kind of thing that we have to just accept, you know, and it's not going to be held in the same, well, to be fair, nothing's going to be held in the same regard as the original trilogy ever, you know, but man, they have, man, they click, they all click together so well, and, ah, we root for them. We really do. We really we root for them. We like them. Yeah, and listen, folks. I know we're running long, but uh, this of uh, we Drew and I kind of knew of the three that this one would be the one um, talked about the most because there's still some points I want to hit. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. Rose. 
Oh, dude. My, Folks, my I got news for Rose is a friggin' awesome character. She is. And I'll tell you, really I'll is. tell you why she is an awesome character because Rose is us. Rose is an avatar for Star Wars fans. And not, and she goes so far beyond that, but that's like her base makeup, what she's intended to be. And I'll tell you right now, if you have, if you have a problem with Kelly Marie Tran in this role, uh, you know, you know what? Just stop listening to our show right now. We're totally fine. If you never want to download another episode because this, this woman has so much heart and so much dedication and the crap she took for playing a role that she did fantastically and just was none of it deserved. Like if, if yeah, if you've got a problem with me, I just said, just, just stop, stop listening. That was, that was pretty much my notes that actually like, Man, she did not deserve an ounce of the hate that she got on for, for for this role. She's great, and her character is fine. And I don't know where people got off. I I I don't know. I I don't know what that. I don't know what that was about because she's fine. She's like she's great. Okay, she's great in the role, yeah. and her character is fine. I don't know what the big deal was. And I feel my heart goes out to her for all that crap that had to happen. Like, had, no, had to scratch that. The crap that happened did not have to happen. Should not have happened. Yeah. She like, what's the problem? Her sister in the film. Okay. In the movie. Right. Her character's Page. sister dies in service to the resistance. When she encounters Finn, she is still processing this Okay, and and she is a you know she feels like she's a basically a lowly technician in this battle, right? Her sister was a pilot, a bomber, you know, yada yada, and now her sister's gone. And if her sister can't, you know, affect things, what chance does she have being this lowly, you know, technician on a ship? what in this conflict you know then she yeah. meets finn and, and and oh i have a note about that like even she has heard of him and his story being a, an, a rogue stormtrooper who was who has escaped and and you know left the first order and she is inspired by it and from there you know her character evolves right and it, it and informs finn's character that's all great that like like it's all great stuff. And I don't I don't know what the deal was. Um Rose is cool and I feel bad that not only I, I not only feel bad that she had to endure all that crap on Twitter, I feel bad that in the follow-up movie they sidelined her as a result of the the Twitter people. Yeah. That's so yeah. dumb. But whatever. You know. Right. We'll talk about Rise so, of Skywalker next time. Yeah. So, uh, a real quick uh, touchstone before we move on to uh, one of the final characters we're going to talk about. Um, I want to talk about Snoke. Okay. Drew, 
Yeah. You know what the difference is between Snoke in this trilogy and Palpatine in the classic trilogy is? The internet. That's <laughs> it. That is the difference between these two characters. Because well, people complain, we never knew who Snoke was. We didn't learn anything about Snoke. He was barely in it. Folks, if you look back at the classic trilogy, we knew nothing about the Emperor. We didn't even know his name was Emperor Palpatine. We no. never saw him except for one, like one quick scene in Empire before Jedi. I got news for you. Snoke's got more time in this in these two films than Palpatine had in the classic trilogy. More screen time. He's got more lines. He did more. And people are all bent out of shape that he got killed in this one. When him getting killed was the best thing that could have happened for Kylo Ren. Yes, in, in for Kylo Ren's story it is. However, just devil's advocate for what it's worth. Um, I, 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 that's all true. Everything you just said is true. But we can't forget that these movies are, these movies are sequels to movies we've seen. So we do need, need some explanation as to who he was, where he came up to be the First Order Supreme Leader, and where he had the resources to have all these ships and yeah, the, the, the remnants of the Empire. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Something. No, we didn't. Did we have any of that with Palpatine? Did we have any of that with Palpatine? We didn't need it. Because the the stakes were and established we very we clearly in the first movie, and and and, and New Hope, it was in in a New Hope, we know, we know that there is an empire, and then we get here we hear reference of the emperor in in a New Hope, and then we see him, and then in an empire, and then in Return of the Jedi, we get a lot more of him. That's fine. Those are our introductory movies. Now we're into a sequel set of movies where the Empire has been destroyed, but not really because they're still kind of around because of the Snoke guy, but we don't know how, okay, how, who is he exactly? I don't, I, and I'm not saying I need a full backstory. I'm not saying I need like, you know, the Snoke prequel or whatever, but give me something before we just off the guy. I'm, by the way, I'm fine offing him here. Don't get me wrong. But like, there's the whole thing leading up to that throne room scene I felt like okay here's where he's going to relay how he reclaimed the empire and yada, you know what I mean like something something even g- give me something before you before he's gone again I'm fine killing him off here because again like you said it's perfect for Kylo Ren's story that's what's the that's the important part. Snoke is not important. Kylo Ren is the important part here. Let's remember that. So I I'm fine with that. But I under I understand and even watching it now I'm like, so how did this guy in the robe come to rule the empire? Because I don't know and we're never going to find out. <laughs> and that's kind of a bummer. I don't care that he's dead. I like like I'm fine with Kylo Ren killing him. In fact, that's pretty awesome. 
for Kylo Ren's narrative, it's perfect. But man, like some a line of dialogue would have helped. Just saying, like when the Empire fell apart, I picked up the piece. Okay, fine, cool. That that's enough. You know. Not to mention the fact that he's like a Sith Lord, and you know we have that whole. The this is here's an instance. Here's an instance, Carl, of the prequels screwing us because we know of the whole rule of two and all that crap. When Snoke shows up being the emperor, the emperor for all intents and purposes in the sequel trilogy, knowing the rule of two and all that, we have to assume that he had been around or he was like Snoke's or a, a Palpatine's apprentice or, or whatever. Right now, had we not ever heard the rule of two, had the prequels not existed at all. And we just had a new dark side guy on top. I think we would have been okay, way more okay with it. <laughs> but because we have all this lore that in our in our in the recesses of our brains, we we get we we start to go like, but that doesn't work with the logic that you've established, and my brain hurts now. However, well, you are right in terms of his him versus the emperor. The stats are on your side. He he's as inconsequential. Yeah, he he is. He's less important. He has more. He's he has more screen time. He's done more. Yada yada. Than the emperor did, and we never complained. And yet, we are in sequel territory. Some some explanation would have been nice. But we didn't. We didn't need it. Okay, just, that's, fine. Just, that's fine. The, the problem is the reason people got so bent out of shape from it is because we had two and a half, three years of, well, maybe he's this. It's true. Maybe he's like, maybe he came from this. Maybe fan theory, fan theory, fan theory, fan theory, fan theory. Star Wars loves three fan years theories. Of, and yeah. people just wanting to know the answer when it just wasn't important. And you got... You got what you you got your answers in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, hope you're happy. Yeah, hope, hope you're happy. I'm not Star. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. So I'm not happy. Um, we could have done better. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Leia really quickly. Yeah. Uh, bittersweet here, obviously, because we had lost Carrie Fisher. Uh, shortly after, or no, shortly about a year or so before the film's release, I think it was. I know it was before the film's release. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, we knew this was kind of our last legitimate time with with Carrie Fisher in this role. Um, she kills it like she always does. Every scene she's in, she's fantastic um the the space leia scene as it's come to be known mm-hmm. uh, i'll be the first one to say does not look great see but i i wrote down in my notes i don't get the problem with this at all it's fine i don't understand no, it's fine like i people get bent about this I yeah, they really do. I don't get and it. I just didn't. I just didn't want the character to go out like that. And she didn't. So and she didn't. I was like, like I was literally in theater. I was like, oh no, it's not going to be like this, is it? And then she right. came back. I was like, 
okay, great. I don't understand what's happening here, but okay, fine. She's lied. She's still lied. That's fine. Look, Um, we, we, we have to establish and they, they have, they casually established and, you know, along the way that, that Leia was definitely one, you know, she was, she, she could use the force, right? That scene to me is like, oh, buddy, she can use the force. Okay. Yeah. I have no problem with it. And I, I find it silly that people get bent about it. Like, what is the problem? She got blasted into space and through the power of the force dragged herself back in, you know, from the brink back on board a ship. That's awesome. <laughs> like, what is, what are you complaining about? That's cool as hell. Right. And there's a, a very, um, there's a passing of the baton in this film as far as uh, rebel leadership goes not only from Leia to Holdo, but from Leia to Poe as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And if you and want yeah, it, if you if you want did. it, there's a passing of Jedi leadership from Luke to Leia here as well. That that scene could definitely be interpreted as like Luke is cut off, but um, Leia over here very much in touch. Right. Yeah, the uh, the Luke and Leia scene in the end, um, uh, it's very touching, very very emotional for reasons within the film and with it from and outside of the film. Yeah, um, yep, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the Leia in this film, obviously fantastic as she always was. Um, it was it's you know again you you mentioned the what ifs. And it's one of the one of the biggest what ifs about Rise of Skywalker because, like, as you know, JJ always said, like each each of the sequel trilogies was going to be in some part, you know, one of the classic cast members' films. Force Awakens is very much Han's story. You know, Last Jedi is very much uh, Luke's film. You know, the third one was supposedly going to be very much Leia's film. Um, but obviously for reasons we couldn't, yeah. things had to change. Um, so let's get to Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. This is probably, this is probably going to be where we're going to close it out. Um, wow. You want to talk about story arcs and how a character changes, where a character goes in this. Um, Kylo Ren, you can make an argument, had the best one of all of them. Go because on. We are in the beginning. We we're introduced to Kylo Ren. We knew in Force Awakens, and Snoke kind of sees it's time for him to leave Vader behind. It's time. It's time for him to stop trying to be Vader and start to try and be himself. So we get that line, you know, take that ridiculous mask off. Again, a very meta line you know does he mean it literally yes is it also meant figuratively yes and we see shortly after that scene the rejection of what that mask means and him becoming more him you know a fully person a full person unto himself and 
in the towards the end of the film, we see that no, he is not Vader 2.0 because he is not going to turn back to the light side. Right. He is Kylo Ren. Ben Solo is dead. Yep. He is Kylo Ren, supreme leader of the First Order. Fully set in his way, fully determined, and it was great. See, and again, potential. What ifs? Because we know where yeah. this we, we know where this goes in the next movie, right? Yeah. But right. I agree with you. I, I'm I am I've been on record, I'll say it again. I'm firmly team no re- no redemption because you killed Han Solo, buddy. Anyway, uh he struggles, he's clearly struggling in this movie, right? And when presented when when he when he does the air quotes right thing, kills Snokes, saves Ray. Yeah. Immediately after doing that, what does he do? He wants to take power and rule. And Ray immediately knows like you haven't really changed at all. Right? Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that's his arc, man. Like, he, we can get deeper into that. I suppose I'm not. I'm kind of I'm yeah, not for nothing. I'm flaming out, but <laughs> uh, he no no redemption. He he had his yeah. he had his conflict. He has to stop trying to be someone else and start being himself. And what is it? What does himself end up being? Like you said, he just wants power for himself not not just not to become not to live up to any kind of legacy not to fulfill someone else's destiny at at a certain point in the movie that being the ending he's gone through all those phases and he decides like i'm gonna take charge for me and wrong choice buddy and no redemption but we didn't yeah it's like poetry it has to rhyme right george (laughs) yeah so (laughs) um he's great though adam driver by the way is great oh my god even even though we don't like where the character goes in rise of skywalker adam driver still just like still killing it yep yep everyone is I might not like 100% wherever, where all this goes, but I'm I, like I said, I'm not going to shortchange anyone's effort in, in these movies. The work is put in. These, the, the, it, it's all there. It's on the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the whole Ray and Kylo thing is, uh, you know, they have a lot of chemistry. Man, this cast. This cast. This cast. Yeah. <laughs> the chemistry with everyone involved. My God. Um, I, I don't know that they needed to go any further than they did in this movie, but when they, you know, they, they clearly touched a nerve with, with fans in this, with, with, with them and, and the teasing of the, the, the union and the, the turning and the double turning and yada yada. Yeah, that's all. That's all very good. But I, but I thought it was very clear at the end of the movie um, that she firmly rejects the the, the union idea. Um, I mean, she's the one who actively closes the door while they are within, you know, their little connection with each other, and she just goes, yeah. like, "I'm out. See ya." And that's good. That's 
he made his choices and he decided what he wanted to do. She made her choice and decided what she wanted to do. And really, and talk to me about this really quickly. That was the thing that really confused me about this movie. Um, is the feeling at the end of the movie. This movie had a strange sense of finality at the end of it that left me confused and not sure and not excited about the prospect of a third sequel movie, which is weird, right? Like, shouldn't I be on the edge of my seat? And this one just felt like final, and I, it, it was very, and I think I relayed that to you too. And you said the same thing, like, where the heck are they going? Because this, this movie really feels like it closes off so many avenues. The ending of the, of the last Jedi feels so final, even yeah, though, was, even though we know, you know, okay. Even though we've, we have clearly established Kylo Ren, evil overlord, Ray, resistance hero okay we now have those things clearly set in stone decisions on both characters parts as to what their destinies are so that does set up for a third but the feeling at the end of this movie doesn't feel that way yeah i mean it definitely feels that the resistance has been defeated yeah. i mean come on I mean, the entire resistance is able to escape on the falcon that's not an army um you know, they, they hint that there are other supporters that just didn't answer the call. Um, I would have probably liked to have seen a greater time jump between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. It's one year. I, I, I said in between, like, I'd really like to see, like, a 10-year time jump. Wow. And, like... You have, you know, if you do a time jump like that, then a rebuilt resistance is more believable than, you know, kind of what we, what we had. Um, but yeah, the, the ending, the ending of film only because like you're, you're left in, especially the first time you see it, obviously Luke, um, Luke sacrifices himself for the resistance. Um, and I loved, I loved the thought that with his, because like you see that last scene with him and he's looking at binary sons before he becomes one with the force. And I love the thought that, you know, the, the planet that he was on, its name escapes me at the moment. Um, Octo, whatever. Octo, yes, thank yeah. you, Octo. Um, the planet that he was on was not, in fact, did not, in fact, have two sons, but that he used that last bit of his life force to force project himself to Tatooine to see that one last time. Huh. And that's kind of, that's the interpretation I subscribe to. Okay, fair. Just that that last moment, and then like the the clothes drop and everything, and um, and so yeah, you're you're left with uh, an uncertain and you know kind of sense of finality that doesn't really lend itself to another film. 
Um, but yeah, it's to me, it's definitely in my top three of Star Wars films. It's probably one A behind as far as quality. For me, it's like you know, right behind Empire, just because of everything it, it says and and communicates everything Ryan Johnson did, all the stuff we mentioned. Um, it's unfortunate, again, that's as divisive, divisive as it is. Um, you know, who knows what, what time will bring with, with the film. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't rank it like you can, but, um, I find it more enjoyable than not. And I defend it against people who are so adamantly against it. I'm not saying I don't understand their critiques necessarily because the the comedic tone stuff is a bit off putting um, and the Canto bite, but the whole, the whole structure honestly is a little weird. Um, But, 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 but um, the messaging and all that, I don't know. That stuff strikes a chord with me um, in a way that, you know, your your Rise of Skywalker sure doesn't. And, you know, your prequels sure don't. So I I have to I have to hold it in high regard. I and I I really do. Um even as I even as I can poke all these holes in it and I have pro- I have my own issues with it, I still will say that I like The Last Jedi. So, you know. There you go. Alright. So folks we appreciate you sticking with us. We know it was a long one, but we kind of knew this one was going to be. Um, if you want to share with us your thoughts on The Last Jedi, send the same questions or comments to the show. You can do so at the following locations. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's Due Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the devil's do podcast.com drew i'm gonna go pretend a broom handle is a lightsaber what are you gonna do <laughs> um i'm gonna go play with some makeshift star wars toys awesome <laughs> folks thanks for joining us we appreciate it uh come back to us in two weeks and yeah stay safe stay healthy may the force be with you may the force be with you